Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Anybody notice we got some new chairs? I want to thank everybody who stayed after a good hour or more uh, last Sunday to help us unpack and unwrap and kind of place them out. So we're still tweaking, making sure the lady of the house is happy. Praise God with where our chairs are. So, But anyway, thank you, thank you to all who gave. Uh, amen. We've got, uh, well, let's see, over 75 more chairs in the sanctuary now than we did have. And every chair represents a life God wants to touch. You believe with me, God's going to fill every one of them. Every single one of them. Be standing room only in here. Amen. Praise God. Not to make us anything, but because people are pressing in to receive their help and receive their answer. Glory to God. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we approach your word with great reverence, excitement, anticipation, and hunger. Lord, we just stir up a regard for your word. It's our very life. It is truth, regardless of what is happening in the culture, on the news, things around us, what educators say. God, the the greatest fact checker we have is the word of God. And I just so thank you that in these last days, there's a people in this auditorium, there are people watching us online, listening to this podcast. They are fiercely committed to the Word of God. They shall not be moved by uh, by anything. They'll not be moved off their stand. They have a sword. It's sharp. Amen. And they will wield it against the enemy of dark powers, enduring every attack, repelling every attack of the devil that would come against them. Lord, I just so thank you uh, for meeting us in this place. Help me, Father. I make a demand on the gift and the anointing on my life to minister to, the, to this blood-bought, precious, redeemed people. I just so thank you, Father, that they're anointed to pull on the gift to receive their help from you today. God, at the end, let the people be helped, and, all the, and your name and your spirit, your word be glorified, and all the people said, Amen. Amen. Well, as you know, if you've been coming, we've been in a focus, in a ministry, uh, focus and emphasis of late on the local church. Amen. And uh, I, I've, uh, you know, been a part of a church committed, you know, in a committed way since the uh, early to mid-90s. And I just can tell you that my life, my whole life has been changed, built, fortified, blessed through the local church. Uh, amen. And I, I believe as I've prayed and sought God, you know, that this is the emphasis of the Spirit. Right now, what he's endeavoring to emphasize is to get over to his people in a new way, in a fresh way, the importance, the role, the value, the place the local church is to have in our lives. Amen? Now, I want to encourage you. I know many, many people were not here on Wednesday night. We were very close to the holiday, people doing things, whatever. And so, uh, unless you've been proactive and, and gone and watched the, po- uh, the, the video or gone back and watched the lesson... Uh, then you were not here, you have not heard what I preached on Wednesday night. I encourage you, go back. Go back and get that. It's free, it won't cost you nothing. If you want your own CD, your own MP3, you go out to our bookstore, we'll get that burned for you. Uh, a couple of dollars for that, whatever. And, uh, but get it and feed on it. Now, I'll review a little bit today, but then we want to press ahead. Uh, amen? And so, praise God. You know, in, we're in Matthew, that's where I want you. Uh, the ninth chapter, but you remember in Matthew 16, uh, Jesus asked his disciples a question, who do men say that I am? 
And he, he, the, the disciples responded and answered, you know, the, some say you're one of the prophets, some say this, some say that. And then he said, well, who do you say that I am? Peter stood up and he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood, you didn't get that out of your mind, you're not that smart, Peter. But my Father has revealed this to you. He said, you hit the nail on the head. That Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the long-awaited Deliverer and Redeemer. Amen. Praise God. You know, I like one thing I saw on Facebook. It said, uh, hell has no exit and heaven has one door. Amen. And that door is Jesus, the Son of God. Hallelujah, and that's true. That's absolutely true. And uh, then Jesus went on and said, Upon this rock, upon this revelation, you just spoke out by my Spirit, that I'm the Son of God, that I'm the Word of God, the living Word. Amen? Upon this rock, this bedrock, I will build my church. I will build my church. You see, this is, there's something not yet established in a proper Christian disciple's life if they don't see and regard and have accepted the place of the local church in their life and family. What is Jesus doing? Jesus is doing a lot of things, but what did He expressly say, I'm going to do? Upon a rock, upon a revelation of who I am, I'm going to build the church. Amen. And upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates, the forces of hell, will not be able to overpower, amen, or prevail, Against what I build, not me, Jesus. Amen. And so whatever the church is, you want to be it. You want to be in it. You want to be part of it. And in the early days of the church, you could see that outsiders looked upon them, uh, the disciples and the apostles and the believers with fear and with awe because they had power, they had might, they had boldness, they had blessing, they had glory, they had signs, they had wonders, they had miracles and to be accepted into the membership of the ecclesia, into the assembly of the called out ones, was a place of prestige, a place of honor. Amen. And we've lost that in the modern church today. Ah, whatever, you know, kind of have a very flippant attitude. Believers today have not been taught, and they, they don't have the regard for God's place in His plan for the church. But not you. Not me. Amen. And you know, I've been in church a long time, the weekly part of my life. And, uh, you know, uh, but it'd be easy for all of us to slip over into a casual attitude toward the church and toward the assembly. You say, well, the church is not a building. You're right, the church is not a building. But, you know, you by yourself, you can say you're the church. You're an individual part, an individual vital member of the church but we're all to be fitly joined and connected together. So there is no such thing as victorious, overcoming, standalone, by myself Christianity. To think so is to make yourself smarter than Jesus. We'll see that. Amen? Anybody want to lay claim to that? I'm smarter than Jesus. Anybody want that tag? Anybody want that, that badge? No, you'd be first in the deliverance line. This morning, amen? No, we're all smarter than that, right? Glory to God. 
So we've been talking for a number of weeks, amen, about different aspects about this overcoming, all-conquering, devil can't get rid of us no matter how hard he tries, church. The word church is the word ecclesia in the Greek, and it means an assembly, a gathering together of people that God has called out of the world. People who have been genuinely born again. Amen? Can I say this to you? The church is not a building. The church is not a denomination. You know, when, when you, you just use the word church in its, its regular setting, people think about denominations, don't they? Think about buildings, they think about insignias. And uh, do you know where all the denominations came from? They all came from man. No denomination ever came from God. Why do we have all the different denominations? Division. What, what has happened? Uh, people, denominations form when groups of people reject portions of truth in the Word. We don't believe this. We believe this part. So we're going to gather together and build a belief system that we agree with, and, so, and then they put a name or a label on it. Hey, that's, that's exactly right. Right? What would separate a Baptist from a Pentecostal? How much of the Word do people accept? I don't believe in tongues. I do believe in tongues. Tongues are of the devil, some denominations say. Where'd they get that? Not the Bible. Not the Bible. Well, people have different interpretations. Well, listen, there's only one right and, and one wrong, right? You know, all the different interpretations, are, they're not all right. right. Is that not right? Come on. Tongues are either godly and right and for us today, or they're not. Well, who's going to win? The arm wrestling match or whatever? Who's got the more compelling, charismatic personality and argument? No. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Some people believe in healing, some people don't. I do, but I believe in healing. Where did I get that belief in healing? The Word. Amen. You just need to know, I'm not here to be critical. Amen. And I know some denominations in part were birthed out of moves of God that man decided to organize. All the They had a move of God, and man decided, we need to organize. God needs our help. And when that happened, they killed the move of God, didn't they? But they hold on to their dogma and their organizations and all of that. Amen. God didn't author any of the denominations. He doesn't see Lutherans. He doesn't see Presbyterians or Baptists or Methodists. He sees children. Come on, He sees children. And we have one Bible. We have one Jesus and we have one Holy Ghost. Amen. I tell you, you'll land in the right place in your belief system if you just go to the Bible and believe what the Bible says. You'll land in the right place. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, Wednesday, what I was talking about uh, was the number one reason why God assigns every Christian life to an assembly. Now, there are many reasons, right? Uh, when we gather together, we enjoy fellowship. We get to rub shoulders, we get to, we get to mingle, we get to have friendships and, and good fellowship with people who believe the same way and, and are reaching for the same things. And it's just so important, amen? 
And there are many reasons why we come. But what is the number one reason all those years ago when I left that frat party, amen, having had an encounter with God, amen, uh, one of the things that was immediate in me was a revived desire to go to church. In fact, one of the first things the Lord dealt with me about after He kind of got a hold of my life and spoke to me, I was drunk and suicidal at a frat party, and that's where I had a first real life-changing encounter with God. And uh, uh, He put a desire in me to, for church and to be around believers. Amen. Nobody taught me that. But church was my lifeline. One of the first things he dealt with me about was get rid of all your friends. All of them. Amen. How come that? Because all of them were ungodly, like me. You know, you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. That's exactly right. Amen. Praise God. And so, anyway, I'm a very social person. If you know anything about me, I like peeps. I like the people being around. You know, my, my wife calls solitary confinement, she calls that vacation. <laughs> but that's, for me, that's torture. And so I was alone. I was just by myself. And, but church was my lifeline. I got fed, I got encouraged I got taught I got nourished and I just I would leave going oh if I could just make it to Wednesday and I'd get to Wednesday and then back then we had a Friday night single service at that church and I said oh I just got to get one day and I can get back to church on Friday and then Saturday and then get back to church on but it was my lifeline amen and uh, praise God it's just given me a love and a regard for the local church something is wrong with your uh, formula of Christianity if you don't have a love and a regard for the local church. If you don't have a, a happiness and a joy. David said, what did he say? He said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. Amen. If you get mad every Sunday morning, you get sad every Wednesday afternoon, come on, you're off the word. Hallelujah. Just go to God and say, God, I ain't right. I know I need to love being around those Christians. Amen. Give me a love for the... Come on. Praise God. But let's cut to the chase here. What is the number one reason why God assigns us to a local church and to assembly? I'll tell you. It's for the shepherd. It's to have a living, vital, spiritual, ongoing connection with a pastor. Now, don't check out on me because I said that. Like I said Wednesday night, you need to know this. This message is not about me. It's about the office of ministry. It's not about me. It's not about building me up. I may not always be the pastor. That grace may lift off of me and land on my son. And Let's just take us out in the future. One day that happens. Then I'm talking about what's on him. Amen. Praise God. The Bible says that when Jesus ascended to men, right, to heaven, He gave gifts to men. He gave gifts to people. What gifts did He get? Well, He listed five. We may go there. You're still there in Matthew 9, right? Stay there. But in Ephesians 4.11 it says, And He gave some apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers 
And then he lists why he gave them. Very important reasons. So really, Jesus, when he was on the earth, he was all of those ministries. He is the apostle of our faith. He is a prophet, the prophet, amen, that is coming to the world. He is the good shepherd. Pastor means shepherd. Shepherd means pastor. Same word. He is the good shepherd of the sheep. In Peter chapter 5, 1 Peter 5, Jesus is called the chief shepherd. There are evangelists. There's one right there. Amen. But Jesus was an evangelist. Hallelujah. So he embodied all of those ministry gifts. But when he left to take his place at the Father's right hand, he took those anointings and ministry offices out of him and he put them in men as he saw fit for the blessing and for the benefit of the church, of God's people. Amen. The number one reason why God has assigned you to this place, if you're called here, is for you to be pastored by me. Amen. That's the number one reason. It's not because you happen to like, uh, you know, our location or our color scheme or the style of our music. How many people choose church today over how flashy the lights are, how cool the praise and worship is, or how traditional, or if it's not, if it's not Southern gospel, I'm not going there. If it's too contemporary, I'm not going there. If they sing out of hymnals, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there unless they sing out of hymnals. You're missing it. You're off the word. You're off the plan. This is, these are not the primary reasons why God assigns people to church. Now, how do I know this? Let's get to Matthew chapter 9. Amen. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus ascends the hill and he looks uh, down into the valley of Kidron uh, and he sees the city of Jerusalem. Now, of course, the city of Jerusalem bears the name of God. And so here's the creator of all humanity and all the world. He comes to his own people. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, it says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Now why? Because they fainted and were scattered. They were scattered abroad, and then he tells you why their lives were fainted and scattered. Why, did he, why were they like that? What does the Bible say? They were like who? They were like sheep without a shepherd. You have any regard for Jesus' word? You have any regard for His words? Come on, you do. Well, you need to accept this truth. Amen. Anybody in here want a life that's scattered? Nobody does. But you look upon the landscape, the landscape of humanity and Christianity specifically, and that's what you see more of. Now, if you look at the Amplified Translation, it says that Jesus, again, went about preaching the good news of the kingdom. And notice, among His own covenant people, He's having to cure all kinds of disease every weakness and infirmity. Amen? 
Now, the Lord dealt with me this uh, last night about this morning before we leave. I'm going to minister to people who have any sort of circulatory problem, heart problem, uh, any person that's got weakness, you just have no energy, or you have addicting, uh, hindering habits that you want broken off your life. So be thinking about that. Amen? And God wants to minister just like he did back then. He wants to minister today. So he was there curing all kinds of disease and every weakness and infirmity. When he saw the throngs, he was moved with pity and sympathy for them. You guys can put that Amplified Scripture up there. Now notice what, how the Amplified defines from their knowledge of the Greek language the word scattered. They were scattered. They were bewildered, harassed, and distressed, dejected and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You can, if you want to pull it up into the modern time, into the New Testament where we are now, like Christians without a pastor. Amen. Like Christians without a pastor. Amen. So, you know, when we come to God, when I came to God, my, I was Humpty Dumpty bad. It's like they picked up, you know, Humpty Dumpty fell off the wall and he got broken into a lot of pieces. And in my life, it's like they scooped up all the broken pieces, went up on back of the wall and threw them back down again. That's how broken my life was. Amen. Now, the very beginning of restoration and repair for every human being is to be born again, to be saved, to come into the family of God, to have your sins forgiven, to be made a new creation in Christ Jesus. But after that, is, is the repair and restoration process done? No, it's just begun. You're brand new in spirit, but you've got a broken mind. Bro I did. Broken mind, broken relationships, broken life. People have come into the kingdom with broken bodies, sick minds, broken marriages, messed up relationships, dysfunction all around, finances messed up. Amen. And God has a plan. Aren't you glad? For the repair and the restoration of your life. And there is one place on planet earth that God has ordained to feed your life, to nurture your life, to repair and restore your life, and it's not at home. It's at church. It's at church. Amen. Church is a lot of things, but it is a repair and restoration place. So you have to decide, are you going to live your life in the scattering place? Or the title of my message this morning is, There is a Flourishing Place. Amen. Amen. A flourishing place. The church. Now I'm not talking about just some place. Not every you know, group of people that claims Christianity, that puts a sign out front and says church on it, that doesn't mean in the mind of God they are that. You know, it's like if there's a, you know, at the, at the you know, the, Oh, what's some of the manufacturing for the fruits and vegetables can, you know, what's their name of their company? Dannon or whatever. Del Monte, yeah. And Del Monte had a snafu and they put a, a corn label on a can of diced tomatoes. Well, the label on the can doesn't mean that that's got, diced, that that's got corn in it. Only by popping the lid and seeing will you see what that really is. Just because something says church on it. doesn't mean that the Lord in heaven even recognizes it. There's a true church in the earth today, and there's a false church. There's a flesh church. 
You've got to not be deceived. Amen. Glory to God. <clears throat> so anyway, praise God. So the people's lives are scattered. Uh, I, I did, just, just again, a little review. That word scattered, I looked it up, and the word bewildered, it means to be deeply or utterly confused. It means, to, you know, talking about harassed, he said distressed, dejected. That word dejected, I looked it up, it means to be low in spirits. It means to be depressed. Lowered in rank or condition, thrown down, helpless. W.D. Vine's dictionary says that this word scattered means to disperse. And it often has a violent connotation with it. That doesn't sound very fun. Amen. Sickness and disease and weakness, that's the scattering of the believer's health. Poverty and lack and want, financial difficulty and stress, that's the scattering of Christians is financial blessing. Divorce, heartbreak, broken relationships. What is that? That's the scattering of God's plan for their life in the family. No condemnations happened to all of us. I'm the product of a broken home. Amen? It's not about what happened. It's about God's plan to repair that and to restore that and to set your life on a solid footing and then to bless your life beyond your wildest imagination. And to make you usable in the arm and the hand of God to do great exploits in these last days for Him. And you want to know what you're going to have to have to do all of that, to be all of that? A pastor. Oh, you're just trying to build yourself up. Please hear me. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Amen. Jesus Himself said, glory to God, that when He looked upon His people, what did He see? People whose lives had not been shepherded and tended to and looked after and fed and blessed by a shepherd. Now you might say, sit there and think, Jesus is my shepherd. Well, thank God He is. He is the good shepherd of the sheep. Sure enough. Go over to Ephesians with me. I'm quoting it, but you, some of you need to see it yourself. Ephesians chapter 4. Hallelujah. And like I said in 1 Peter chapter 5, Jesus is the chief shepherd. But isn't there an implication in using the word chief? If there's a chief, you know, like at the sheriff's department, there's the sheriff. But he's not the only guy looking after the county. Aren't you glad? He can't be everywhere. He has... Deputies, people that he authorized and approved and trained to multiply himself throughout the county. If there's a chief shepherd, then there are lower ranking shepherds or pastors. You do know that Jesus is not here except by the Holy Ghost? Where is He then? He's in heaven at the right hand of the Father where He has taken up His kingly and high priestly role where He ever lives to pray and intercede for you. He's the great administrator of the universal body of Christ. He's here by His Spirit. But if He was here, oh, you'd all know it. You'd probably be under your seat with me. 
You know, since Jesus' resurrection, he's in a body, a physical body, blood and not blood, but bone and muscle body. So if he really came, you could touch him, you could feel him. Are you with me? He is not here. So how is he going to pastor your life? Through his deputies. Through his deputies. Amen. Now, let's again, do you know that I have a pastor? I have a pastor. My wife has a pastor. Amen. And my pastor knows my face. My pastor knows my name. She wouldn't be shocked or surprised, you know, to, you know, who? No, no. Who said I was their pastor? No. Amen. Glory to God. <laughs> All right, Ephesians chapter 4. Look at verse number 8. It says, Wherefore he, that's Jesus, saith, when he ascended up on high, God's talking about his resurrection and ascension, he led captivity captive. And what did he do? He gave, he gave, excuse me, he gave gifts unto men. You know that includes you? He gave gifts to you? You'd have to read verse 7 to know that. We started reading verse 8. Now skip down to verse 10. And he again, Jesus, gave some, not everybody, but some, the ministry office of the apostle and the prophet and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Now why did he give them? Now... Yeah, we'll, we'll read it, but he obviously gave them for a reason or he wouldn't have given them. Right. So if you don't need a pastor, then Jesus made a mistake. To say you don't need a pastor is to make yourself smarter than Jesus. But you do need a pastor. And without a pastor, your life will be scattered. You will not reach fullness. You will not reach maturity. Because you're trying to get places in God outside of God's ordained plan and program. You know what's tragic? What's tragic is denominations that pull pastors every two years, three years, four years. That's tragic. Amen. I don't have time to preach on that, but I feel sad. Amen. You know, Jesus said, everything he said about himself as a shepherd that characteristic should be transferred and be seen and should be evident in any true pastor. Amen? So when Jesus said in John chapter 10, the true shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. Amen? Then a real pastor will sacrifice for his congregation. Not just in money, amen, but in time. You know, ongoingly, that's probably the greatest thing I sacrifice is my time. My, my social schedule, my family schedule to the needs that come up inevitably among the family of God. Well, if you, any pastor that gets tired of that ought to just leave the ministry. Hallelujah. It's the way it is. Amen. Glad about it. Doesn't bother me a bit. My, my, if my flesh wants to get out of line, I just put my flesh back in line. Amen. Glory to God. And so he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints. Now that word perfecting, it means the maturing. 
the maturing of the saints. Amen? Uh, that word, uh, then it goes on and says, built for the building up of the body of Christ. Now, it's been a while since I looked this up. It's either the word perfecting in the Greek or the word edifying in the Greek. But that word means to renovate or to refit like a ship that's being refitted at port. So people sail in to the port of this church. They show up, thank God, with all kinds of problems and all kinds of issues and all kinds of things. And if they'll, and you know, I was just, I didn't know all these scriptures. I didn't have all this revelation back then. You just, God just moves in people's lives if they'll be yielded to him. Amen. And I just, I began to actually, you know, I went to church off and on because my parents made me. My, I had, you know, my dad's a good dad once he got born again. Amen. He took me to church, but I didn't pay attention. I paid attention to the cute girls. Amen. But after that, I, I, eventually I started to go to church and paid attention. So you can have a pastor but not pay attention. You won't get anywhere. Amen. And God, as I paid attention, as I applied the word, as I began to receive and to have honor and regard for the, how Jesus was using my pastor, my life began, my mind, my emotions, my finances, my health, my life, my relationships began to take more of a... A, a shape and a reflection of blessing instead of cursing. Of health instead of dis, you know, dysfunction. Amen. And I went on, gotten married. And then we went on, had kids. And we just stayed right in the local church. We didn't let sports. We didn't let extracurricular activities. We didn't let anything get in the way of our being at church. And my kids are sweet. They're not angels. They're not perfect. But they love God. They have honor towards us. Amen. And they're moving forward with God's plan. Amen. And everybody's healthy. We don't have accidents. We have money in our pocket. God delivers us from evil. Amen. I'm telling you, how did I get this life? Oh, praise God. So much of it came through Jesus ministering to me through my pastor. Amen. And the other ministry offices. Glory to God. Amen. Go over to uh, Hebrews. Y'all okay? So what is the scattering place? The scattering place is living outside of the local church and not having a connection with a true pastor. That is a surefire way, according to the Bible, to make sure that your life is scattered. Well, I don't agree with that, Pat. You don't have to. You don't have to. Amen. I like, I'm like Fox News. I report, you decide. Amen. I'm telling you, if you saw my life before, if you could look at my life before and look at it now, and it's just getting better all the time. It's the church. It's God. God did it, but he did it through his church. Amen. Hebrews chapter 13. <clears throat> Verse 16 and 17. I hope, you, you know, your quietness this morning is that you're listening, you're taking it in, you're really following, paying attention. Is your lack of amens is really, you know, not knocking me into the back wall here. 
Amen. You know, some of the, a lot of the things I preach, they don't make you shout at the moment. But if you'll swallow it and put it into practice, you will shout later. You will shout. You won't be glad when you see the tragedies that happens with other people's teenagers and kids. And you wake up one day and you realize a decade's gone by and your kids hadn't had a trace of that. They're not addicted to porn. They're not perverts. They haven't been whatever. They haven't been warped and twisted by the world. They have a sound mind. They love themselves. They don't wear golf clothing and they're, you know, they're damaging their body in all kinds of weird ways to get attention because they know who they are in Christ. See if T-ball will do that for your children. It won't. Piano lessons won't do that for your child. You keep them in the church. Early on, before I had kids, I heard my pastor say three things I've done that made me a successful parent. When she, you know, we're playing in the family, I pay attention. She said just three things. She said, number one, I kept my kids with me. I raised my kids. All right, that's... You know, you've you got to form that fashion out however you want. That's just what she said. Number two, she said, I kept my kids in the church. Didn't have a choice about it. I kept my kids in the church. And she said, number three, I guarded their fellowship like a rattlesnake. In other words, right? And I just did. I see the fruit. I, when I get there... In that stage of my life, I want my family and my kids to look like that. So I don't have to know everything. I just have to trust my pastor. So that's what I did. That's what Amber and I did. We've endeavored to raise them, keep them in the church, and we guard their fellowship. Just because you want to hang out with my daughter doesn't mean you get to. No, no, no. We're going to pick their friends. And we've told them over the years, nope. But dad, they go to church. Sorry. Not right now. Doesn't mean they're bad. Right? But, amen, not about being snooty either. But if they're not going to add to my children's character and hunger for God yeah. and commitment to the plan of God, yeah. if they're not an adding force on that, I, my, I, didn't, I didn't, you know, sentence my kids to be uh, the evangelist to their generation. I want them to be witnesses. I want them to be light. But so many Christians, they're followers, not leaders. And they get influenced instead of being the influencer. And so and, until that godly nature and character is rooted and grounded in who they are, once that is firmly established, then they can have more shoulder time with unbelievers. Just telling you. Parents, if you'll to pay attention, guard your... Where are they? What are they doing? Who are they with? Do you, what do you know about that person that they're with? Did you scan them? Did you screen them? When, with your Holy Ghost power, with your discerner. Do you know their parents? Do they go to church? Yes. What kind of church? I don't know how I got off on that. 
But see, just by being here under, sitting here under the ministry of your pastor, you can, if you'll pay attention and have regard for it and apply it in your life, you can have the blessing in different areas of your life. So look at this in verse 17, Hebrews 13, 17. Y'all are doing really good. I see what time it is, all right? Amen. Verse 17 says, obey them. Oh, nobody likes that word, do they? That word obey make your flesh happy? No. Obey them, who? That have the rule over you. I heard you say something different. Your spiritual leaders. Hmm. Anybody have a translation that says something different? Spiritual leaders. Amen. Obey them that have the rule over you. Spiritual, your spiritual leaders. And then what? Another very popular word. Submit yourselves. I don't know how many times I've tried to tell people they're coming out of heartbreak. They've had bad upbringings. Everybody in their world is right. I just try to tell them what it's going to cost them, what they're going to have to do if they want to live free from their past. They won't listen. They aren't willing. And it was hard for me as a socialite and a, and a sophomore in college to have no friends and no social life for a solid year. I wouldn't be here today. I would not be here today had I not gone through that season. Listen, if everyone in your life is wrong for you, then the right thing is get them out. Pastor, that's going to cost me. I know. I know. But how long, sweetheart, do you want to perpetuate generationally the welfare, the dysfunction, the divorce, the drugs, the alcohol, the premarital you know, sex, the, uh, uh, the children born out of wedlock? How many generations do you, do you want to be one that God will point to and generations will point back to and say... She broke the cycle. She stood up and said no more. She paid the price for generations. For her kids and future grandkids and great-grandkids. By severing themselves from their dark, dysfunctional, sin-filled past endured a season of being alone but they planted God planted their life with a family of hungry believers and gave them a pastor to feed them tend to them shepherd their life and over a period of weeks and months and yes some years God began to put Humpty Dumpty back together and now she looks upon the landscape of her life and all she sees is blessing all she sees is healing and peace and prosperity come on it is worth the price. If your church is dead, if your church is closed, if your church is headed up by a businessman or a deacon board, get out of there. Get out of there and find yourself someone that God tagged as a real pastor who will tell you the truth when you'll love them less for it. 
I'm not bragging on me. I'm telling you there's an office of ministry that came right out of the heart of Jesus. And He's put it in some men and women. And there's an anointing on their life to feed your life, to disciple your life, to coach your life, to mentor your life, to hold you accountable. Come on. Oh, and then all the ancillary benefits of having other brothers and sisters and fellowship and families and friends that come with that. But the number one reason why God brought you here if He did is so that you could receive from the office of the pastor. Never forget it. Who's your pastor? Who is your pastor? People coming in, oh, I'm going to go, let's go. Okay, we're going to, and I understand you got to visit the church, but what are you looking for? What are you looking for? Style of music? How entertaining are they? Is you going to challenge? Some people are like, oh, he's been too challenging. I know I'm not coming back. I don't want to be challenged. Well, you're not going to grow if, you don't, if you're not challenged. Amen. Amen. And I tell you, don't, you know, remember last week we talked about uh, in the last days perilous times will come. And he starts listing all these traits of the spirit of the age. Rebellious, unthankful, unholy, all these different things. Don't let the spirit of the age, don't let the spirit of the world get on you. The way I've been saying it is don't drink the Kool-Aid. Is how you're thinking biblical. What's, what's this say? Hebrews 13, 17? It says obey and submit. Amen. I don't know how many times I've had guest speaker and I take services to prepare the congregation and say, please be here. And that person goes, in their head they go, I will not. That's fine. I'm not going to say anything to you about it. But this verse is still in here. Amen. Obey them that have the rule over you. Submit yourselves. Why? Why? It tells you why. I don't have to tell you why. It tells you why. For they watch for your souls. What a solemn, solemn responsibility that is for me. As they, notice this, as they that must give account, you know, for every shepherd, God is going to, I'm headed for a stricter, more intense judgment than you are. Because he put the souls, redeemed souls of his sons and daughters under my charge. And I'm going to have to give an account to him for my, that's why I'm not going to allow this church to become perverted. I'm not going to allow this church to become unclean. I'm not going to allow you to sleep around and not be married. You know, I, I, no, I'm not going to, and me, no, no. I'm not going to allow, you know, predators to come and feel comfortable in my church. You can come and have problems. You can come and have issues. You can come hear the word and get changed, get set free. That's all fine. But I'm going to give account for this place. You husbands mistreat your wives? We're going to have a conversation if I find out about that. Wives, you're being disrespectful and dishonoring towards your husbands. You know, my wife, I may assign that to my wife. Here, go, honey, go talk to her. (laughs) And that ought to not bother you. That ought to make you feel secure. Amen. There is a, I'm trying to close here, there is a spiritual hedge of protection that comes down on the life and family and business of the one 
who's joyfully submitted to the office of the pastor. Now let's go to one more place to balance what was just said. Well, we didn't read, finish reading the scripture. Notice, I'm going to give an account. Amen. Every true pastor will. That they may do it. Now, you're supposed to interact with me, the pastor, so that I can do my job for you with joy and not with grief. <laughs> you know, that's funny, isn't it? <laughs> i got to ask myself, hmm, when my pastor thinks of me, when my pastor thinks of me, Am I a grief? Am I like sandpaper? Or is she pastoring me with joy? I heard that out there. You mean your pastor's a woman? Yeah. She really is. I don't have time to preach that to you. There's plenty of women five-fold ministers in the Bible. There are? Yes. I can hear you thinking out there. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. But notice the last phrase. If we don't rightly relate to the office of the pastor, who's it going to hurt? It says that that would be unprofitable for you. Amen. Now let's go to 1 Peter and we'll close right here. 1 Peter, just to the right. Chapter 5. Y'all okay? Y'all are all right. You're going to be okay. You're getting help. It may not feel like you're getting help. But you're getting help. And then I'm quick, I'm going to pray for some people that God wants to minister to before we leave. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1, the elders. Now you can just scratch that out and put shepherd or pastor if that confuses you. You know, just beware that we, every city has them. Our county and city has them. Well, who's your pastor? I've asked, who's your pastor? Well, we're governed by a plurality of elders. Oh, you got a church full of rebels. That's what I hear. A plurality of elders. Misunderstanding of what the Bible says. Jesus, Old Testament news, over and over and over, he used this analogy. Sheep. So you take a sheepfold. I've been to Israel. I've seen them on the hills. And there's not a, those sheep are not governed by a plurality of shepherds. There is one shepherd. There is one pastor. One. So just know they may be sweet people. But it's just a misunderstanding. People stumble over these New Testament titles. How do I know this is talking about the pastor? It's so evident if you just read. When you want to know about ministries, don't get caught up with titles. Look at function. Look at what they're doing. Amen? Okay. So the elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock. Who feeds flocks? Who are elders then? Who's he talking to? He's not talking to deacons, is he? Deacons are not pastors. They're pastor's helpers. They're deputies of deputies. Very important. Such a blessing. Right? But they're not pastors. 
Amen. Feed the flock of God which is among you, being the dictator thereof. Is that what it say? Because remember, it said something uncomfortable a minute ago. It said, obey and submit. But in talking to pastors, from the pastor's side, here's what you need to understand. This aged, seasoned apostle, anointed by the Holy Ghost, he is saying, feed the flock of God, right? Taking the oversight thereof. I'm not a dictator. I'm not your Lord. I'm not trying to be Jesus in your life. I just am endeavoring to fill the God-ordained assignment to feed, to tend, to mentor, to pray for, to disciple those that the chief shepherd puts in my charge. You don't have to run everything by me. Well, could I say this? The weightier and more life-changing it is, the wiser you would be. To use your pastor as just as a check. I'm not your oracle, and I'm not your prophet. And if you come to me, and I want you to if you need to, I'm going to give you the word. I'm not going to give you my opinion. I'm not going to quote Oprah. I'm going to give you the word. So if you come to me and you're not expecting the word, if you're disappointed when I give you the word, that's your fault. I don't have anything else to give you. The word is your help. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, don't be forced into it, but willingly, not for filthy lucre. You know what that means? Don't do it for the money. That'd make you a hireling. But be of a ready mind. Not, now notice this, neither as being lords over God's heritage. A true pastor will not lord that position over anyone. Just a help. Amen? Amen. And if you don't sense the heart of Jesus and the love of Jesus, the good shepherd flowing out of that man or woman, well, you need to pray for them. They're off that day at least. Amen? See, I'm not here to lord anything over you, to make you do anything. But my job is to put the word of God out to you under the anointing of the Spirit. Amen? My job is to do what I can to tend to your marriage. Listen, that's why no TV preacher can pastor your life. So whatever TV preacher you like, that, that is not your pastor. I can't perfect that which is lacking in your faith apart from seeing your face. Amen? Amen. Did you get anything out of that today? Well, I hope you're okay with it because there's probably more coming Wednesday night. <clears throat> there's a scattering place that's no church, no pastor. And you can have the church and have the pastor and neglect it. Are you present when the pastor's ministering consistently? It's okay to have vacation. It's okay to have holiday. It's okay to have to work. But it's not okay to neglect and forsake. The flourishing place. We didn't get there, but we'll get there in another service. Amen.